So if you have your Bibles there, you're going to turn to Daniel chapter three, Daniel chapter three. Um, and, and we are in a series of messages. Help me out with it. We called it up in smoke, right? Which is kind of an idiom that implies something did not, it ended, but it didn't go the way it was supposed to. Like I had a good plan, but it went up in smoke. And we've been talking about sometimes in life, we have good plans, we have dreams, we have relationships, we have goals, we have businesses, whatever it is. And then sometimes things go up in smoke. They, and, and we're left with ashes. And we're kind of talking about, so, so what do you do? What do you do when life leaves you with ashes. And we've been talking about it. Hopefully you've been tracking along in the series. If not, it's all on the apps, all online. It's all on YouTube. However you do that. Um, all the messages are there, but today I want to continue from Daniel chapter three, Daniel chapter three. So what's going on in Daniel chapter three. So, um, in, uh, in about 600, 605 BC, uh, Nebuchadnezzar lays siege to, um, Jerusalem to the people of God. And he did that because of a, of a concern with trade routes with Egypt. Um, and so it, this was actually, by the way, prophesied by Isaiah about a hundred to 140 years previous that Israel would be taken into captivity for 70 years. And it was because of the idolatry of their heart. Um, so, so Israel is going to be taken into captivity. Um, and, and so, uh, King Nebi, um, takes into cap, if you, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebi, how many, where's my rack shack and Benny people? You understand veggie tales cause you had children or you just watched it for you. I watched it for me, but blamed it on my children. Like kids in there, don't we want to watch VeggieTales right now? Anyways, um, so Rack, Shack, and Benny, and King Nebi. Um, so anyways, um, and so he, he lays siege to Israel under the reign of King Jehoiakim. If you're looking for a baby name, that kind of sounds like a cough and a sneeze at the same time, King Jehoiakim. And so, um, bless you, and thank you. And um, and so anyways, so he, he uh, under his reign, lays siege um, because King Jehoiakim wouldn't pay tribute. Big story. Anyways, long story short, King Nebi, conquers Jerusalem and he takes them into exile and he takes, um, really he takes young nobles, young nobles. Um, and he, and he has them then serve in his court or in his kingdom. And so we know four of those was Daniel. Um, that was his, uh, Hebrew name. His Babylonian name was Belteshazzar. Um, when it comes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we typically know them by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, but their, their actual, Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So, so that's their Hebrew names, but we know them as Rakshak and Benny. And so um, King Nebi takes them into his courts to serve in his courts. And in Daniel chapter three is when King Nebuchadnezzar um, decides that it would be great if he had a really big statue of himself. And so he built one 90 feet tall, nine feet wide. Um, it's like... <laughs> narcissism much. But anyways, he built this really big statue to himself and, um, and he gets the band together and he brings all the people and he says, Hey, when the band plays, I want you to worship this really cool statue I've made of myself. And most of you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they, they don't bow, then the king gets mad. And so this is, this is where we're at. Um, and so verse 13 of Daniel chapter three is they've told, they've, they've told King Nebi, um, that they're not going to bow. And so verse 13 says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
So these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you will not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I've set up? By the way, Babylon is, is kind of the oldest antichrist picture that we have in the Bible, the whole culture. Um, and isn't it interesting that an antichrist culture demands tolerance and gives none? I'll just leave that there. That sets someone free, but... I mean, you can, you can see it. It's all right here. I mean, Daniel's actually one of the most prophetic books in the Bible. It's incredible. Um, but anyways, he said, is, is it true you're not going to serve my gods or, or worship this golden image? Um, and, and he said, now when you hear, so he's going to give them a second chance. Now when you hear the, the horn, the flute, the zither, the light, anyways, when you hear the band, if you're, ready to, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, great. But if you don't, you're going to be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. It's actually a, a brick kiln, a brick kiln. Um, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Everybody just say, bless it. Bless it, Lord. Bless him. Bless him. I mean, this is after this incredible encounter he has with a dream and with Daniel. So God has already, by his grace, been moving. And, and King Nebi is just struggling. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves. Uh, there's somebody, a word right here. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Come on. Listen, God's not going to get on your side, but when you're on God's side, you don't have to defend yourself. Um, if we're thrown into the furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us from your hand. And this is one of my favorite, favorite verse in the Bible, but even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want you to know, King, we're not going to serve your gods or worship the image of gold you set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude changed. Most versions say his countenance fell or his countenance changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. So now we're talking like 1,800 degrees or something like that. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army. So now we have like David Baptista and The Rock. I mean, they're coming. <laughs> John Cena, here they come to get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing fire. By the way, this is just the power of ADD. It's very creative when you read the Bible. This is the way I, Scripture, the way I see it. You'll never see a translated version. Nobody would ever print it, but it's very entertaining what goes on in my head when I read the Bible. And so he, he brings in the rock, John Cena, David Baptiste, to throw them in the blazing furnace. And these men, now I like verse 21. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. And the king's command was so urgent that the furnace, and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied up, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. I love this. Weren't there three men tied up? It's like Sesame Street was brought to you by the number three. Weren't there three men tied up and thrown into the fire? And they said, yes, king. And he said, look, I see a fourth man. Now we're doing math on Sesame Street. I thought it was sponsored by the number three, and now I see four. And they're walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Some versions say the son of God. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. Like he had a conversion experience. Servants of the most high God. Come on out. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, all the royal people and advisors crowded around them. 
They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was their hair singed, and their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Come on, you may be going through hell, but you don't have to smell like it. Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and they defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God, this is awesome, anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces. (laughs) He's aggressive. Either No matter which side he's on, he's just got some aggression. They're going to be cut into pieces in their houses turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Oh man, I had to read all that because it's just that good. It's just that good. All right, let me give you my title. We're going to dive in and work together to, to get our word from God today. So this is what I called this message. Come on, fire works. Come on, Katy Perry. Fire works. Not one word, two. Fire works. We're going to talk about that today. Father, we ask that you now would speak to us. God, remove every distraction. Give us ears to hear, a heart to perceive, a mind to understand what your Holy Spirit wants to tell us today. And God, let us receive the seed of the word of God in the soil of our heart and let it produce fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Fireworks. Fireworks. Um, have you ever, have you ever um, got, got into the fire? Obviously, we're not talking about literal physical fire. We're talking about fire in this fire furnace. It, it was a physical fire, but when we see the picture of it, like in 1 Peter, like in James, count it all joy when you fall into all these trials and temptations, that there is a fire that is not a literal fire necessarily, but it is, it is a fire indeed that we enter into. Um, it's usually a fire of pain or a fire of suffering. It's when something goes up in smoke. Like we thought it was just going to be another day in Babylon. And then the king decided to have a worship service for himself and we couldn't participate. And now our lives are about to go into the fire. Something's going up in smoke. And I like this passage because here are three very faithful people. And I just want to remind you, in this case, kind of another great picture. They're being thrown into the fire, not because they did anything wrong, but because they did everything right. And sometimes we, we believe if we do everything right, there will never be a fire of suffering. That, that, if, that if we, you know, if, if we cross our T's and dot our I's and do our devotions and post them on Instagrams to encourage everybody else and lead our life group and serve on a serve team and volunteer in an outreach, then if, if we're getting all this, surely we, because we're doing everything, then surely there wouldn't be. And here are three men full of faith doing everything right. And because they're doing everything right, they end up in the fire. Because they're doing everything right, something goes up in smoke, kind of like Job. And so I just want to talk about this today. When we face the fire, why do we face the fire? What does the fire do? What do we do with the fire? I want to talk about that today. So three things, you can write these down. 
You write these down as we look at this together. Just This is where we have to start. Point number one, we have to start, and that is to say this, that God will not keep us from fire, but he will keep us through fire. Like, I, I wish I could get up here and read you a scripture that God will keep you from all fire, that you will, you will never go through the fire. You don't have to worry about the fire. Like, like because you serve God and because you love him and because you're faithful, um, then, then God will make sure that you're not going to have to go through fire. As long as you walk that line of righteousness and holiness and integrity and, and surrender to God, that you're not going to face the fire. But unfortunately, the Bible actually teaches the contrary. It, it actually says that there's going to be fire and God isn't actually going to keep you from fire. And I think when you read, I remember growing up, Back in the day when we had felt boards, anybody felt board people remember those things? Yeah. And then the air conditioner would kick on and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace go flying across the room because the AC kicked on. Is anybody, it's like first world problems. <laughs> oh, really? Any, never mind. Anyways, point is, um, I remember we would get so wrapped up in the deliverance of God that we see in their story that we failed to remember God allowed the furnace to be turned on, heated up seven times hotter, and we forget that God didn't actually deliver them from it. He delivered them through it that God allowed them to be thrown in the fire. Like he could have blown it out, you know, and that would have been kind of interesting. We had this chapters of them trying to relight the kiln and God keeps blowing it out and there's a whirlwind and it, you know, that would have been, that, that would have been comedic. That would have been kind of funny. Like every time they, they go to strike the match to light the kiln, like, <laughs> but, but you don't have that in scripture. What, what you have in scripture is that, that God didn't stop the fire, and he didn't keep them from being thrown in it. And when I looked at that, I saw something in a way, because when, when, when I, like, obviously I preached Daniel chapter three, and I've heard Daniel chapter three as long as I can remember. I know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know about it, and you do too. But what I love to do is to look at God's word and realize there's always an angle I haven't looked at it from, and there's a thing that I haven't really noticed. And you know what stuck out to me first and foremost? Like, like this was so cool. It's verse 21. It says, these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into, and here's what caught my attention. Why do they still have all these clothes on? Like, first of all, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a Gucci tunic because they were nobles and they're in Babylon and they were serving in the king's court. So they were probably well appointed in their, you understand what I'm saying? They had been to Nordstrom's. But then what really struck me, now I may not be as saved as you, Dear God, where's he going now? This is what I, what I know. Is that if they're still wearing their tunics and their cloaks and their hats, there wasn't a fight. Oh, come on. Don't act like you're that saved. Listen to me. You know what it's like to get in a fight. And I'm coming out of this coat. I'm going to hat, hold my hat. Because I, I can't swing right in this coat. Does it bother y'all that I think this way? <laughs> Come on, let's, I, like we can be saved, but let's be honest. Here's what I'm saying. I don't know about you, but if I'm them, I'll stand up for my faith. Oh, King, I'm sorry. I'm not able to bow down. But then when John Cena and the rock come, I'm throwing down. I, you know, I'm at least going to put up a fight. Oh, come on. Some of you so freaking holy. No, not me. I would just say, Lord, into thine hands I commit my spirit. Shut up. 
We need to be real. I know it's church, but we're real people. And we're real messy. And I'm telling you, I don't go willingly into fire. I'm about to fight somebody. I may be saved, but I'm throwing a left hook. And what I'm missing here is the struggle. That they gave themselves to the fire. And then I thought about Jesus in Isaiah 53, verse 7, where it says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. Like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that was silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. And I thought about if Jesus is a picture and an example on how to live and how to triumph, Jesus is also an example and a picture about how to face the fire. That he didn't fight. Because the truth is, fire works. Fire works for you and fire works the purposes of God in your life. And the problem is some of us, when we're facing the fire that will work, we become firefighters. Don't we? Because what you don't see here is them grabbing a water hose. Put out the fire before we get thrown in. And I realized that, that they surrendered to the fire. God didn't save them from it. And when they saw that God hadn't saved them from it, they surrendered to it. Because they know fire has, has a purpose. And so many times, isn't this true? So many times when we're facing fire, <laughs> we start praying for deliverance from it, not deliverance through it. But here's what God knows. If he keeps you from the fire, he is keeping you from your destiny. And so you cannot pray for destiny and deliverance because sometimes those are not the same. What deliverance looks like to you and what deliverance and destiny looks like to God are not the same. He did deliver them through, not in, not from. And I think if you would apply this to your life, oh, this is going to help you. This is for somebody. It may, maybe watch at home, but this is for somebody right here. You thought God didn't deliver you because he didn't keep you from it. And if you could flip the script and look at it, you would see God delivered you through it. Because the fire, the fire actually works. And can I be honest? If we look at the example of Israel in the, in the wilderness, because they had to go through the fire, right, at the Red Sea, right? So, so there's the fire of the Red Sea. That to them was a fire. It was water. But that was a testing for them. And then they had to go in the, the fire of the wilderness. And then when they got to the promised land, they couldn't trust God to go into the promised land. And here's what I remember. Sometimes when you become a firefighter, you actually just stay in fire longer. Because they got 40 more years in the fire because they were fighting with God about the fire. Like we're all going to go through fire. Sometimes we get to pick how long we stay there. Because God doesn't keep us from it. He joins us in it. 
Isaiah 43, the great thing about Isaiah, Isaiah is, is he starts in the cure. He starts his ministry and the King Uzziah died. So that was about 740 BC. We know that because of history. So about 140 years before um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are taken into captivity, Isaiah is writing and Isaiah writes this. So they would have had the writings of Isaiah. And this is what Isaiah wrote. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they're not going to overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you will not be burned and the flame will not consume you. I think they were just saying, King, God can deliver us. If he doesn't, we have a promise that says he'll be in the fire with us. Joseph, another person in the Bible that went through fire, like he got a dream, a vision from God. And then his brothers were angry and threw him in a pit, sold him as a slave. He ends up a servant in Potiphar's house, then falsely accused, thrown into the prison. I mean, it's just fire after fire after fire. But when you read the story of Joseph, just Genesis chapter 39, you read, he's thrown in the pit, but God was with him. He's thrown, he's sold, but God is with him. He's in the prison, but God was with Joseph. Those phrase three times, one chapter, but God was with Joseph. You need to understand that if you're in the fire, you're not alone. Count again. The truth is God allows the fire because the fire proves us. And I thought about how it proves, it reveals, right? It reveals um, and it proves, and, and, and really the first thing you see here really is the fire. And I don't know if you ever thought about this. The fire actually proves God is who God is. Like they believed in God, but when they got in the fire, they hung out with him. Can I tell you, there is one place God is closer to you than any other place in the fire. It says he is near to the brokenhearted. In the fire, like this is one reason I think God wants us to go into the fire. Because in, in, when you go into the fire, when you go in the fire, you see God in a way you've never seen him. Like I thought about this because when King Nebi is doing the math, he said, didn't we throw three in the fire? One, uno, dos, tres, cuatro. There's four in the fire, like when he's doing the math. And, and he says, they're walking around unbound and unharmed. And I got this picture of now here's Rackshack and Benny with Jesus. And they're just like walking in the fire. And I started thinking about furnace conversations. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's just how my brain works. Furnace conversation, because I thought there are conversations that you have with God in the furnace that you would have never thought to have with God any other time. Like after you get mad because you're in the furnace and you blame God for not because he didn't deliver you from the furnace. Like after you get through the gripe sessions that we label prayer time because we're in the furnace. Was that too real or y'all just never experienced that? When you get quiet, you make me nervous. Because we kind of start like I'm in the fire. God, you failed me. And then when we give ourselves to the fire because we realize God is with us in the fire 
And then all of a sudden we have conversations with God we would have, and we see God in ways and we hear God say things. God is always nearer and closer to us in the fire. And he always, one of the reasons God allows us to go through fire is because he knows he can reveal himself to us in ways we would have never thought to look for him in other seasons of our lives. And so God is okay with fire because fire proves he's God. And then fire, we know this, but fire proves our faith. Like, I love this statement, O King, God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't. And so, you know, faith is theory until you have to use it. Right? Like, we have faith until we don't understand something. And then we decide if we really are going to use faith or not. Because, right, when, as long as you understand, you don't need faith. It's when you don't understand that you need faith. So the moment we're introduced to something we don't understand, we have the option and the opportunity for faith. When we have to believe and trust for something that's impossible, we have the opportunity for faith. And so faith is a theory until we have an opportunity to use it. Everyone's people of faith until there's a fire. Because just like the fire revealed or proved God, the fire proves and reveals your faith. And I think here's the most amazing thing. I mean, it's a great testimony when people walk through fire. And I was thinking about some of the, like, like we were singing, um, you know, in worship today, we were, we were singing about going through the fire. And, and then we were, we were singing about refining fire. And then, and then somehow we ended up in, I love you, Lord. And I just thought, is that not the song that should come out of fire? Like they almost seem like that we, why do, why would we go from try by fire, purify to I love you, Lord? Cause I was like, wait a second, this one sounds harsh. And then I thought, and I thought about people, um, uh, like, uh, John Newton who wrote amazing grace. And I thought about the, the guy who wrote, um, it is well with my soul when he crossed the ocean, the same place where his family had gone down in a vessel. And yet he pins the words, it's well with my soul. And, and I thought about, I thought about this, this is because it, it proves, it proves who God is and, and it proves God to us. And then it proves faith. But here's another thing. And it's great to have that testimony of faith for others to see. But you know what I thought about? I never thought about this, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they actually got to see their own faith. Like they hoped they were people of faith till they got to the fire. They believed they were people of faith when the, until they got to the fire. Once they got to the fire, they knew they were people of faith. And I think there are people that sometimes we, we say, well, I believe and I hope I believe and I hope I have faith and I want to believe. And then we go through fire and you come out the other side saying, no, no, I know I've got faith. I know I believe because he didn't deliver me from it. He delivered me through it. Here, here's the second thing. Write this down. When the fire gets hotter, that's just God making you better. When, <laughs> like some people are like, ooh, and some people are like, no. <laughs> when the fire gets hotter, God is, is making you better. See, here, here's, the, here's, here's one of the things I think God wrestles with. God doesn't really understand nominal Christianity. So 
God only has one gear when it comes to believing. When you say you're a believer, in other words, God only thinks, if you say I'm a believer in Jesus, I'm a follower of Christ, then God only has one category that could mean. He doesn't have a spectrum of belief. Right? He doesn't have the people that, well, I kind of believe because I don't want to burn in hell and it seemed like this was a better option. He doesn't have nominal Christians who kind of proclaim the name of Christ but then live like hell. He, he doesn't really have those categories. There is not a spectrum for him. It's kind of, it's all or, or it's nothing. So that's why he doesn't understand lukewarmness and Revelation said the lukewarm, he will spew it because to him that's an abomination. That's the greatest insult because he assumes either you're an unbeliever or you're a believer category. Historically, there are only two types, but once you say you're a believer, you have signed up to become like his son at all costs, to live a life of faith at all costs, that, that there is now this high, high value of commitment that you have to the word of God, to the truth of God, to the ways of God. So he doesn't understand a spectrum of Christianity where like, I'm kind of saved on Christmas and Easter. It doesn't make sense to him. Like, like when you sign up to be a believer, first of all, once you say you believe, all of hell hates you. So welcome to a battle, right? And so God just assumes that you understand when you become a believer that you are enlisting, if you will, throw back to old school church in the army of the Lord, right? In other words, you're enlisting in a spiritual battle where hell now hates you even more than they did before. What I like about this text, I didn't read it, but I like this because it says, they said, O King, the God who we serve, serve, not the God who we believe in, not the God that we prayed to one time, not the God we show up and celebrate on Christmas and Easter, but the God that we serve, the one we're all in, the one we're committed to, the one we're giving our life for, the one we're laying down everything else for. That's the only category that God really has. The one where we took up our cross and we're following after him, that one. And that's why they said the God that we serve, not the God we post about, but the God that we serve. And so, so because of that, because you said, I want to be the best. Because you said, I want to look like your son. Then God says, well, there's going to have to be some fire because that's how I make you better. See, when you signed up, you signed up to be all that God created you to be. You signed up to follow him fully, not partially. And so because God only, he doesn't have a spectrum. He has one category, believer. Then he's like, well, then, then, then everyone is going to face fire because fire makes you better. Look at what Jesus said, Mark 9, 49. This is not one that's a promise. In one of the, if you have one of those little promise Bibles, this one's not in there. And I think you should have, <laughs> that sounds bad. I think you should have a little promise Bible and little promise things put them on your refrigerator. I believe in the promise of God. I'm not trying to take anything. I'm just saying there are other scriptures that are also very true and going to happen that don't sound as fluffy. And you need sugar plum fairies and fluff and all that kind of stuff. But you also need to understand, Jesus said, in this world, you will face tribulation. That's a promise from Jesus. 
And so here's another promise. Most of you probably didn't even know this in the Bible. Mark chapter nine, verse 49, Jesus said, in one version, he says, for everyone will be tested with fire. How many people are going to be tested, Jesus? Everyone. Can I also back up and say, he didn't say believers will be tested. He said everyone. Here's the difference between believers and unbelievers. When believers are tested, it makes you better. When unbelievers are tested, they get bitter. Because your faith in the fire will determine better or bitter. He said, you don't have to smell like smoke, but some of you have been around some people that still smell like ashes. And it's not Marlboro. It's something they went through they're still bitter about and they need to tell you about it every time you get around to them because they're going to live their life as a victim of the person that God didn't show up for and these people are mean to me and they're going to live in ashes when they could get beauty but the reason they're going to stay in ashes is because they chose to get bitter and not better. God let them into the fire to make them better. They chose to get bitter. Here's another version of Mark 4 or Mark 9, 49, this is a different version. It says this, and I like this one. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salted. What does salt do when you add it to food? Do you understand? Even chocolate chip cookies need a little salt. Do you understand this? Have you ever had chocolate chip cookies when they forgot the salt? They're not, I mean, I, listen, no one is more for a chocolate chip cookie than I am. But when I'm like, bless it, this just isn't that good. It needed a little salt. Right? And so here's the thing. Jesus said, everyone's going to be salted. Here's with fire. Here's what he's saying. The fire is just seasoning your life to bring out what's good about it. The, the fire is making you better. And, and ultimately, deliverance from the fire would actually be a disruption in your development. And so now I'm not going to keep you from it. I'm going to go through you, go, go through it with you. You're all going to face fire because in the fire, God's going to burn some things up that were holding you back. See, now I, I love to preach like when, when it says that they were thrown in with their Gucci belts and, and they're, you know, like, you understand what I'm saying? And, and I love to preach how they were bound, but then what, what they were bound with burned up in the fire. And I love to preach about how God lets you be thrown in the fire so what bounds you will burn up. But this time I decided to look at it a little different. So I thought about the three men, like The Rock and John Cena and, and David Batista. And I thought about how the strong men that were throwing them in the fire died. And I got to thinking about men are flesh. And I got to thinking about sometimes we end up in fire because of our own flesh. Somebody told me when it gets silent, that's a good, <laughs> I'm like, scares me. But I don't know about you, but like, like, like sometimes because we have brokenness in our soul and we let loneliness drive our life, we keep swapping right and keep ending up in the same relational fire. And the only thing constant about this relationship in the last four is the person in it is you. I'll try something else. Sometimes we, we have something going on in us and we have an anger issue and because we tend to get angry and overreact, we end up 
getting our own self bound and thrown into the fire. And God could have prevented it, but he didn't. And we're actually in the fire because we have anger issues. And we keep telling everybody else it's what they did. But the truth is you're still getting angry about everything. And sometimes I thought about how the lust of our own flesh actually gets us bound and thrown into the fire. But we keep blaming it on everybody else. Like you were okay, like when the devil was throwing you in the fire. But now that you realize sometimes you get yourself in the fire. Come on, where am I? Let's be honest. How many got yourself in a fire before? You got you. I got myself in a fire, Jesus. And I just thought about how sometimes we, we have anger and we have jealousy and we have these broken places of our soul that we don't know are there, but they keep getting us bound and thrown into the fire. And God could deliver us from the fire. In other words, he could deliver us from some of the consequences of the things that we have going on inside of us. But sometimes he chooses not to deliver us from the consequences of the things going on inside of us because kind of like Egypt is chasing Israel. He's like, no, if I let them go through the sea, I can drown their enemies with the sea. And if I let you be thrown into the fire, I can burn up not just what bounds you, but the brokenness that continues to bind you. I can burn that up by the fire that I will use to deliver you. Because the fire will expose the lust. Because you know, that's what fire does. It causes impurities to rise to the surface. Like it wasn't what they posted. It was what's going on inside of you. Okay, I'll try this. I'll go over here. I'll try. Yeah, yeah, they, didn't, they didn't like that very much. They didn't like that. It wasn't what you did after they cut you off. That was the problem. It wasn't them cutting you off. That was the problem. It was what was inside of you just came to the surface. It wasn't what they did offended you. It was you've been walking around with an angst and that was just the thing that triggered the offense that was already brewing inside of you and it just came out on them because we think everyone's entitled to be offended. In fact, that's why you get on social media so you can let people know what you're offended about today. <laughs> Too real? Listen, offense is an event. Being offended is a choice. But the point is, <laughs> better get off that. Jesus. Hmm. But the point is, here's the grace of God, is he knows if I don't save you from the fire, I can expose the parts of your flesh that are binding you and throwing you in the fire. And I can actually deliver you from you. Because most of the time, you can be your worst. And so God, God puts us in the fire to let those impurities. But you know what else is great about God putting us in the fire? Because <laughs> it separates impurities and impurities. It separates what is impure and what is pure. And he lets us be thrown in the fire so you can see what's good in you. Because it made you. Like I found, I found in my life today, I was thinking about this as preparing this sermon because I was thinking about some of the fire I've walked through and some of the things that have gone up in smoke. And I realized today, I'm like, wow, I really am more humble today 
I really, and I'm not, it's not a brag session. I was just being honest. Like I, I, I had flesh stuff that threw me in the fire. And I just realized, I was thinking about how much now there's grace and how much now there's love and how much now there's compassion in places that I didn't used to be able to love and have compassion, have grace, all those things. And it's because the fire brought some of the good things that were being covered up by some of the bad things. It, it burned up the bad and brought out the good. And, and I love this verse about Joseph because you remember Joseph, you know, he's, he's unjustly thrown in the pit and sold as a slave. He's unjustly accused of sleeping with his boss's wife. It was all a lie, but then he's still thrown into the prison for it. He was an innocent person, right? But he's thrown in the prison. And I love, I love this verse about him being thrown into the prison because Joseph chose not to get bitter. He chose to get better. And this is uh, Psalm 105, 18. It says this, his feet, they hurt with fetters. He was laid in chains of iron and his soul, oh, I love this picture. His soul entered into the iron. There was a merging. It's like he came out of the fire with an iron soul. More resilient, stronger, more tried, more true, less weak, less broken. That because he chose to get better in the fire and not bitter. Listen, when the fire gets seven times hotter, God is just trying to make you 10 times better. All right, here's the third thing. Write this down. The fire may be a place of temporary pain, but it's also a place of permanent passage. It may be a place of temporary pain, but it's also a place of permanent passage. I got to thinking about them walking through the fire and I thought, I thought, you know, all the reason that God, you know, cause big question like God, why do you allow us to go through the fire? If you've been tracking, we've talked about a lot of the reasons you go through the fire, a lot of things that God does, how the fire works, how the fire works in our lives. And so I realized that the fire is working. And then I thought about, um, first Peter, where Peter is writing to believers who are, um, heavily persecuted. They're going through many trials and he says to them, first Peter, Chapter one, verse six, he says, so, so be truly, be truly glad. It's like, brother Peter, like, first of all, this is a man that's been tried by fire because how many, you know, this is not where Peter started his race. Peter was a fighter, right? He fought the fire. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't yield to the fire. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus, who was the one man that went to swinging swords? Cut somebody's ear off. Jesus had to put it back together again. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Peter, calm down. Like, you know what I mean? It's like awesome. How embarrassing that you're going to defend Jesus and you, you wound somebody and then the man you're protecting and the reason you wound somebody else, then he heals the man you wounded. Like, dang. So Peter wasn't always here, but look at the maturity that he's writing with now. He said, see, be truly glad. James said, count it all joy. Be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials, look, will show that your faith is genuine. Just like Shadrach, it shows that you have faith. It shows it to others. It shows it to you. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is more precious than gold. And when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor in the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world.
So he's in here, he's saying, hey, your, your faith is valuable and fire proves faith. That when we go through fire, like there's the value, there's the value that fire has in our lives. Like we talked about, all things we've talked about. And now he's getting to this place. He's like, the fire is this test. Like this is why you be, this is why you can be happy and look for the joy because the fire is testing. And I thought about Proverbs where it says, um, the refining pot of fire for silver, the furnace for gold, but God tests the heart. God tests the heart. And, and we think about the concept of testing in a purifying sense in these passages, because that's really ultimately, I mean, that's kind of the picture that even Peter has given us that God is, it's through the fire that he's testing. But I thought about the test you take. And I thought about how good teachers they don't give you a test to fail you. They give you a test to pass you. They're giving you a test so that you, that you know and they know that you have achieved the level of understanding necessary, that you've reached the level of maturity necessary to move on to the next chapter or the next grade or the next class. And, and I thought about the fact that our calling is a constant, but our character varies. Because is that, I mean, I don't know if you know this true, but from the word of God, like the gifts and callings of God. So gifts are all about grace. You can be heavily gifted and have horrible character because gifts are not something you earn. It's grace. It's in fact, charisma is, is typically the way we say that. Our care, it comes from the, the, the root word charis, which is uh, grace. And so we talk about how the gifts that we see in the Bible are talking about the grace of God. You did, it's a gift. You didn't earn it. So God gives gifts. And then also the calling of God. You didn't earn that. You came into the world with it. And God has placed this calling on your life. And those are fixed constants, but character is always what determines the effectiveness of calling and gifting. Calling and gifting always hinge on character. And calling and gifting are very much fixed constants, but your character varies. And character, really, when you look at the word and what it actually means, because we say they either have bad character or good character, but character just means that you have the character, you have the integrity, you have the character. Integrity means to hold up. If you think about the integrity of a vessel, right? So, so character, integrity are, are close kind of an idea. It's kind of a long story I could explain, but just follow me with this. So we're talking about character and we're talking about integrity. Character, integrity are our ability. They're our ability to meet the demands of what we're facing, to hold up under the pressure that we're facing. So it's not that someone has bad character. It's that their character didn't have the integrity for the pressure it was under. So God wants to strengthen character to hold up under pressure. But the way you test the pressure of anything, like you put a gas line in your house, they come and pressure up the line to make sure it's not going to leak when they turn the gas on. And so God has given you a calling and giftings. But the, the, that's the grace component. The structure of what that is held up by is character. And if your character does not have the right integrity, 
it will, it will yield under pressure. And sometimes calling and gifting can take you beyond character. So God says, just like I refine silver and I refine gold, I test you to make sure you can hold up under what I'm about to do. Because when you, oh, this is a good part. Put that verse up there, that last verse from Daniel. When you read the last verse from Daniel, it says, then the king promoted. When? After the fire. When did the promotion come? After the fire. It wasn't a place of pain. It was a place of promotion. God was testing them to try to make sure they would bear up under pressure because of how God wanted to promote them. That this is another thing we miss about fire. If you're in fire, it's because God has a promotion for you, not because God doesn't like you. And so God, just looking at Joseph, think about Joseph. Here is Joseph, and God has this calling on Joseph's life. That, that Joseph is going to rule from this position of power and even his family is going to bow down. Now we know the story that God was actually sh saving. I'm sorry, I don't want to, it's like splash zone. I don't want to hurt you. It's not SeaWorld. God was actually, God was actually going to save a nation of people through Joseph. And that's what the calling was. But there was a character issue pride because he would wear his new coat it was Gucci it was all different colors and his dad gave it to him because his dad's favorite and he would wear it even on hot days just so his brothers could see it and when God gave him the dream that his brothers and his, his family was going to bow down to him he told them then they all got mad so then God gave him another dream so he thought well they got mad last time I wonder if I told them the same thing again if they'd like it better this time And God said, here's the calling, Joseph. Here's what I want to do. Now I need you to surrender to the fire. The only reason God let Joseph go into the fire was because God could see past the impurity of the pride to the value of the humility and power in Joseph's life. In other words, God is really good at spotting potential and God is really good at looking at what is valuable and precious and beautiful in your life. And then God's like, let me figure out a process to get what is precious to the surface. And fire brings to the surface the impurities. It burns them out. But it also brings to the surface what is pure and good and I can tell you that just like Joseph, the reason God allows us to go into fire is because he's been watching our lives and he knows the calling is constant, but he knows the character has to be tested. It has to be strong enough to bear the weight of the calling. And so when God lets you go to fire, the reason fire works is because fire exposes what God saw all along. And that was that there's something in you that's valuable. There's something in you that's wonderful. There's something in you that's unique. There's something in you that God wants to use. And so he lets you go through the fire to bring that to the surface. Because why did God let you go in the fire? Because he was dreaming of promoting you all along. And so the fire... It may be painful temporarily for a season, 
but it's a permanent passage into the calling and plan and destiny that God has placed on your life. And if you're in the fire, understand this. It's the passage to promotion that on the other side of the fire and then, and then King promoted them. On the other side of the fire, there is blessing and purpose and destiny and beauty that you've never seen, never experienced, and would totally miss if it weren't for the fire. There is a next level that God has taken your life to, and it's just on the other side of the fire. Why don't you stand? When you know that, you can pray this way. God, thank you for fire. Like God, thank you for fire. Can you say that? Even if you're in the fire today, even if you're in it today, could you just say, God, thank you for fire? God, let the fire work. Let the fire do its work. We take a moment, heads bowed, and, and I love to end our time this way when we just say, God, what are you saying to me? And I want to encourage you, if you're watching online, say, God, what are you saying to me? Just where you're at in this moment, solitude of this moment, block everything else out. Don't turn off the stream just yet. God, to speak to you wherever you are, but just say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And God, I just pray you'd speak to every person. God, speak to every person. And while our heads are bowed, we're listening for God to speak to us. And hopefully you're doing that online. But I just want to give an opportunity for anyone that may be in this room or watching online and you need a relationship with God. And I'm, I'm not asking if, if you believe in him. I'm saying, do you serve him? I'm not asking if you've ever been to a church service. I'm saying, have you, have you surrendered your life to him? And, and how you would know is that the Bible says the Holy Spirit draws us. And so a lot of times it's not so much something in our head. It's something we feel in our heart where we feel like God's trying to speak to us. Our God's telling us that he wants a relationship with us. And so if you're in this room or you're watching online, I want to invite you to do something. If that's what you feel, if you kind of feel like, man, God is, God's talking to me and I need a relationship with him or God's wanting a relationship with me and I want a relationship with him. I want to encourage you just lift your hand up, even if you're watching online as a sign to God, say, God, here I am. And I want a relationship with you. So if you're in this room, you lift your hand up. Yeah, God bless you. Awesome. Thank you. Celebrating with you. If you're online, lift your hand up. Even if you're in the living room, just say, God, here I am. I surrender. I want a relationship with you. And if you lifted your hand, whether you're in this room or whether you're online, I just want to pray with you. And it's really, it's really just a declaration of faith. It's, it's verbalizing a decision. So you use your own words, but it would be something like this. It would be something like, God, I believe in you. And I believe in your son, Jesus. And I believe that he died and that he rose again. 
I believe he did that for me. And I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me. And God, make me a new person. God, I choose a relationship with you. I want to follow you the rest of my life. And God, I pray as they prayed their, their version of that prayer, God, that they right now would sense your presence so real. If they're in this room or a different room, doesn't matter. God, they would sense your presence. They would know, God, as your word says, that your spirit would, would bear a witness with their spirit. God, that, that, that you've become their God, that you are with them. And God, for all of us, Lord, some of us going through fire, some of us maybe not today, but God, all of us put our faith and confidence in you. And God, here's what we want. We want the fire to work in our lives because we want to go to the next level with you, God. And so we trust you. We trust you today. And God, we thank you for your grace, your faithfulness, your goodness. God, thank you that if we're in the fire, you're in it with us. You're in it with us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can you give Jesus one more praise? Your best praise. A clap, a shout. Yeah. I want to invite our, our prayer team to come. And then if you need prayer, we have people here to serve you, to pray with you, to love on you. Um, and then if you're online and you want prayer, then we would love to pray with you if you just text my pathway prayer to 77977. So if you need prayer, please let us pray with you. Everybody else, we say a big God bless you. We love you so much. And we'll see you next week. God bless you.